0: All right, so welcome back in today, we're going to be diving into not only crypto exchanges, but also a lot of the happenings in the industry around Voyager, Celsius. Many of the topics that of course are making frontline headlines. Um, I think you guys got a like this, one. we're going to break this down a little bit deeper for you. My name is Paul Barron, welcome back into TechPath. Let's get into it today. I wanted to bring in John Deaton. John Deaton, you of course know him through XRP and Ripple fame and the class action case for all the XRP holders. So John, welcome back into the show.
1: Thanks Paul, appreciate it.
0: Yeah, John, I wanna get into the scenario around these crypto exchanges along with many companies that have um, ran into some dire situations here of late. We'll look to Voyager first. And one of the key things, you being a seasoned class action attorney filing in the crypto sector When you look at class action cases and the scenario that, as we know, Voyager filing for bankruptcy this morning, we got the news. Where does that put people who are out there with Voyager today? Is there a potential here for class action? Do you see what what I guess legal course do you see playing out in the markets here in the coming months, maybe over the next year?
1: Well, this is going to be litigation for years. That's the first thing. Now, it's very, understand too, the bankruptcy filing changes the landscape. You know, there are class actions right now pending against Coinbase and Nexo and and Binance, you know, for various types of claims. But when a company files bankruptcy, there is a provision of the bankruptcy law that protects that company Basically stays any lawsuits, right? So if there was any pending litigation against Voyager, it's automatically stayed by the federal bankruptcy statute. Uh, and the court would consider those claims along with all the other creditor claims, right? And obviously, if you're a tort litigant, meaning tort, meaning that you filed a case, civil case, you're going to go to the back of the line in the bankruptcy court so Mm -hmm. now a lot you know class actions also with these other um, companies that have not filed bankruptcy that's a different animal because they're not protected by the bankruptcy laws that would stay the litigation and so the biggest issue right now with these cases is you know celsius and others and i'm sure voyager as well have, you know, basically waivers of class action lawsuits. They have what's called binding individual arbitration clauses, where when you sign up, you check a box that basically says that if there's a dispute between you and that company, you waive your right to file a class action. You waive your right to file any individual lawsuit, and you agree to an individual arbitration against that company.
0: Yeah, this is the notice right here from Voyager. just so you guys kind of understand. We reported a little bit on this yesterday, but back to John's point right there. uh, Very specific under arbitration clause and class action waiver, which waives your right to sue in court or seek a jury trial for disputes relating to the use of her services. Now... My question is this, when you have the scenario, we'll stay with Voyager for now, um, when you have the scenario of this claim of FDIC insurance, and though there was um, verbiage within, deep within their, um, their statements, a lot of the EULAs that talk about this, and there is a lot of gray area, and I've had a couple of attorneys look at this and trying to understand really where it is, but the fact that we actually had Metro, uh, Metropolitan Bank, which is the company, the bank, that essentially supports Voyager. They actually had to come out and do a statement. And this was the day uh, we published a video, it was the, like the day after we published a video about this very issue. They're actually clarifying the position that Metropolitan Bank is saying, hey, wait a minute, if you're a Voyager customer, does mean you have FDIC insurance with us. So with that kind of scenario, this could be construed as clear miscommunication at the very least to where it could confuse consumers and investors, obviously, uh, that are in the border. What happens when it is getting into those waters? Because now you're outside of just the point of a failure scenario. You're actually looking at confusing advertising, confusing terms, all those kind of things. I won't say the word, but <laughs> what happens when those kind of things come up in this type of case?
1: Great, great point, Paul. Um, In order for a contract to be valid and the terms of that contract to be valid, both sides have to have be on the same page, right? There has to be what's called a meeting of the minds. So if one side, let's take Voyager, if they are misrepresenting things, then that person relied on that misrepresentation right? They didn't get true, accurate information to make a voluntary decision. So a waiver of a class action really comes down to, was the customer voluntarily and intelligently and knowingly waiving their right to a lawsuit and a class action? And if they they were, then it's a valid provision. But if there is any allegation of fraud, misrepresentation or omission of material information then you can basically argue that that provision of the contract is invalid because of those misrepresentations and then if you're successful there would be a motion to dismiss the case uh, for example based on that provision uh, that you go to arbitration and you can't sue and then the person, the customer, your lawyer would challenge it and then show the judge the misrepresentation. And then there would be a decision. And if the judge agreed with you, then you could proceed with the class action or the litigation. If the judge disagreed with you and enforced the provision, you wouldn't be able to sue. So that's your your point is excellent because uh, I wouldn't say it's confusing and, and and that's the standard. So what you articulated is correct. Confusing advertising, you're confusing the customer, it's up in the air. But if you can prove misrepresentation, mm-hmm. then that's that's the home run to overcome that provision. Because then you're basically How, saying, look, you can't enforce this contract, Judge, because they were fraudulent. They misrepresented. No. I would have never entered into this contract and gave up those rights if I knew that... Um, this information wasn't accurate. So.
0: so, okay, so your scenario here, this was from a tweet that just came up um, and they were tweeting at us and it was really kind of the issue of your your USD is FDIC insured. This is something that comes up in the Voyager app. It's often stated on the website, all those kind of things. For a lot of people who had US dollars in the Voyager app itself or within the Voyager uh, platform, And I guess this would be the real question: is how does that apply to a bankruptcy hearing? And I kind of think of this as a bank. If you look at it from a bank's position, you know the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation comes in; they repair all the depositors. uh, In the in the case of a potential failure, banks maybe in some cases I guess could go either insolvent or bankrupt or file bankruptcy. But does that change the landscape at all for those who had U.S. dollars in there that were alluding to FDIC insurance?
1: Yeah, I they actually- still fall
0: you know, under the, the bankruptcy proceedings?
1: Well, I, I think, Paul, now that you showed me that, I actually, I was a little curious, you know, Celsius hasn't filed bankruptcy, right? And, right. and Voyager, in my eyes, Voyager was pretty quick. Defiling for bankruptcy protection. And I think they may have been advised by their lawyers. You know, I don't know how solvent or insolvent they are, but the lawyers may have looked at that and said, listen, you need to be protected from these class actions, from this litigation, because they could overcome. Those anti-waiver provisions because of this fraud or this misrepresentation, this, this confusion. And so it may have been a decision, but the reality is it, it's very, you know, unfortunate. But the law is clear, they're protected. Any litigation, if I were to file a class action lawsuit right now against Voyager, immediately I would receive a notice that. It cannot move forward. And I'm in violation of the law because they're protected by bankruptcy protection. So Mm -hmm. the question then becomes, can you pierce, like the corporate entity, can you pierce it and show fraud behind individuals, right, who are promoting it? And so that's going to be another form of attack. And I don't know the Voyager story. I don't know who the uh, who the uh, owners were or the promoters or you know the corporate structure. But um, uh, that's why I said right now it's protected. But this litigation is going to play out for several years.
0: So within a federal case, if it does, I mean, I'm not, we're not giving legal advice here in any way. What, what we're trying to do is discuss kind of the options and the scenarios that most likely if you guys are out there and you've invested in one of these companies, maybe you're at risk. Uh, obviously, you should seek your own attorney, get with them, understand where the markets are and your own situation. But I look at it this way, and I've been in uh, cases where um, our business was a creditor and a creditor to companies who failed. Uh, in many cases throughout my years, you know, I've lost many scenarios where we we never got made whole because they either filed bankruptcy. But there was one case where we did run into a scenario where we are, were a creditor and the uh, person who we were accredited to, creditor to, there was fraud in in that case. And we, we along with other uh people within the case were able to pierce the corporate veil uh, and be able to get to uh, civil uh, file lawsuits within that kind of scenario. Does fraud, is it one of the bigger scenarios that plays out in something like this that kind of pierces the potential for a a federal bankruptcy protection?
1: Absolutely. And, and, And I'm really, you know, if there was that kind of misrepresentation by Voyager, where they're really basically soliciting business by giving them a false sense of protection, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. As in FDIC insurance, you know, by definition, that meets a prima facie case of fraud. And so um, that's why I also think that they may have been rushed, which is listen, if we don't file and get protection from the court that would stay all litigation we're going to get hit with a slew of these uh, class action lawsuits or individual lawsuits. And so, um, yeah. so I, I right. think, but you're right. As in your personal experience, it was the fraud that was allowed you and the others in the group to pierce to civil. What's yeah. the, the corporate veil. And then you can attack the, the person who's behind it. If there's, you know, assets That's to true. give people an example, if you, if you had a Brian Armstrong, if he pr- committed fraud, Right, And Coinbase filed for bankruptcy, but you could prove fraud, you could then go after him individually. And I'm not right. suggesting that he's done yeah, anything, i sure. an Yeah, just giving an example. For
0: sure. All right. So crypto exchanges in general right now, heavily under fire. We're seeing a lot of changes within these terms of service, which they have the full right to do. We're seeing a lot of changes that are kind of happening on the fly especially around withdrawal limits. And one thing that has happened with many companies is they've either slowed withdrawals so that we don't end up on these bank-run kind of scenarios where liquidation uh, and also liquidity becomes a big issue. The protection of a lot of these depositors, much like with a bank, there's really nothing there that's going to control um, you know, a, a current or a... Um, an exchange of being able to go in and change their terms of service, which they can do at any time. But down the road, do you think we're going to see more regulation on these exchanges to get more transparent, I guess, with how customers money and assets are being controlled in the future? Because obviously we know that happened with Celsius of how they were leveraging up in DeFi. What are your thoughts on where regulation is going to go around this overall? Well, a lot of people
1: think that I'm anti-regulation because I'm fighting the SEC, you know, so hard. I'm not. I'm in smart regulation. And the industry, Paul, to move forward, they've got to become more transparent. And so there has to be sensible regulation that and, and disclosures where there has to be, you know, in my opinion, at a minimum, even if it's a private company, they're not public, where they have to disclose um, you know, at least every quarterly, preferably it would be every month, where mm-hmm. uh, you would see their assets, liabilities, where the money is, uh, whether or not they're engaging in these high-levered strategies, you know, because let's face it in the bull market and everything's going up, you yeah. know these
0: Everything strategies can pay be out. Hidden. Sure. Right. Yeah, and, no, nobody's and, worried about it at that time. Yeah. Nobody's well, worried about, about it.
1: Uh, it. But I'd also say that, you know, listen, let's let's all be honest for a minute as well if someone says i'm going to pay you 20% you know uh return on your bitcoin or your xrp or whatever token it is you know if it sounds too good to be true it, you know it might not be true or it might be so leveraged that it's at risk and yeah. and you have to disclose the risk you know speculation's okay and speculation is is what the market's built on but there has to be the consumer has to appreciate you know, that risk, am I risking my underlying capital to get that 20%? And if yeah. the market becomes illiquid, is that truly at risk? If I voluntarily know all that, and I still engage, fine. But yeah, what's exactly. happening, you, that's not happening. So I agree. Uh, unfortunately, too, is that the Celsius, the Voyager, all of the things that you and I are talking about there, it's giving Gary Gensler a lot of ammunition to say, look, we got to have regulation, except he wants to over regulate us, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to come in and say everything other than Bitcoin's a security and needs to be registered. And so uh, we have to be careful. But if the industry is going to move forward, they have to become more transparent. And we have to get some kind of sensible, smart regulation that that requires these disclosures. You know, our exchanges, you know, what are they doing? Uh, are they making trades that are, you know, against the consumer? Like, just be open and honest about it.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot, you know, obviously with these that would start to put a lot more pressure into your exact uh, point, And that is where, whether it's the SEC or just regulators in general, where we do see a stiff arm or a heavy arm, much like what we saw with Mika in the EU. I mean, that particular proposal and what's happened now with the EU is there's a lot more pressure on stable coins. There's a lot more regulatory guidance on exchanges and including around this whole scenario around securities in these exchanges. So I see all of this getting into a very interesting time right now in crypto. When you think back around uh, 2017, there just wasn't this many many companies that were really excelling like what we saw in this last run in 2020-21. But now we're seeing kind of the fallout. So everybody's learning from all these mistakes. We're seeing all sorts of restructuring, most likely. The landscape of what our exchanges will look like in three or four years is probably going to be quite different than what we see uh, today, all because of what essentially has been happening over the past six months. So. A lot of crazy stuff out there in the marketplace right now. John, I know that uh, you guys are all over this. I'd love to kind of pick your brain as things continue to um, develop, because I think there's a lot more coming down the pipe for sure. But I want to thank you so much for uh, stopping in today. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Paul. Enjoy it as always. Talk to you soon. All right.
0: Take care. All right, so you guys are tuned in over on the podcast side of things. Make sure and jump over here to the YouTube channel. This is the place where you're going to catch all these exclusive interviews and really where we dive in deep on a lot of insights around the crypto, blockchain technology, kind of the evolution. But the one thing I can say right now, guys, is um, not your keys, not your coin. Get onto self-custody with all of the turmoil we're seeing. You need to get into a self-custody strategy for what you're doing out there in crypto you guys want to reach me, it's out out there on Twitter, at Paul Barron. We'll catch you next time right here on TechBath.